Welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership Series. My name is Scott Miller, and I serve as your weekly interviewer and host. As you may know, this is now the world's largest subscription newsletter dedicated to the topic of leadership. We've just passed our one-year mark. We've had an amazing ride. Best-selling authors, CEOs, business leaders. We're also inviting now international guests on. We also like to mix it up and not just have people that are luminaries and leaders of businesses, but also people who are giving back to their communities, that are working with students and educators and not-for-profits. And today is just that day. I'm delighted to welcome to On Leadership, Dr. Curtis Jones, who is the superintendent of Bibb County Schools in Georgia and has also been named as Georgia's Superintendent of the Year and the 2019 National Superintendent of the Year for all of the U.S. Dr. Jones, welcome to On Leadership. Thank you so very much. I'm very happy to be with you. What an honor, sir. We're so honored and delighted that you can squeeze out 30 minutes from your educators, administrators, and most importantly, the students in Bibb County to come and talk to us. We have some great questions today to talk to you around what is the state of education in your mind? What does the future look like? What are some of the challenges that you face as a superintendent? What can business leaders and parents do to become more involved? I want to talk about your district and the challenges that you faced and what is your vision for your legacy in Bibb County. But first, I'd love to be quiet and take a few minutes and have you walk us through your journey. How does someone become the National Superintendent of the Year? And what are some of the successes and challenges you faced along that long career journey? Well, thank you very much. Um, I'm a product of Georgia, went to high school in Griffin, Georgia. Uh, my mom and dad were teachers. My dad was also a minister in the Methodist CME Church. I was able and fortunate enough to go to the United States Military Academy at West Point, graduating in 1977. And I spent 20 years in the United States Army. Uh, I retired as a Lieutenant Colonel Infantry, and I also was a Comptroller with my last assignment being at the Pentagon, working on the Joint Staff, trying to keep drugs out of the U.S. I was in the counter-narcotics division. After retiring after 20 years, returned to Griffin, Georgia, where I taught junior ROTC for four years at the high school from which I graduated. Also was a high school principal at that same school. Then became an assistant superintendent and superintendent in Griffin for six years. Uh, after that, I was able to come to Macon, Georgia, home of Otis Redding, where I've been the superintendent now for four years. Uh, my wife is an educator. My son, Jamin, is an educator. My daughter, Leah, is a doctor of forensic psychiatry. And my oldest son, Curtison, lives in Athens. And so all of that education and children, I think, has given me a unique perspective on what parents are looking for. And now I'm a grandparent of three. And so I work on that. My goal is to make sure the schools that we have provide the education that we want for our children and our grandchildren. And here in Bibb, I've been very fortunate. We, um, I started here in 2015. We had seven superintendents in five years. I was the seventh one in that chain. Uh, and the last four years have been amazing. I have a great community uh, that has been very supportive. And I'm looking forward to sharing a little bit more with you about how we have made this transition from being a district that was on probation from the advanced state accreditation to one that is now being pretty well respected across our state as well as our nation. 
Dr. Jones, it's no uh, overstatement to say you are a national treasure. So on behalf of Franklin Covey and all of our viewers and listeners, a thank you for your military service to America. Thank you for your service to our educational system, to Bibb County. And I imagine you're going to have a little bit of a, a rain this year. I'm not quite sure what your year looks like. So thank you for your service to the nation as you inspire other educators and administrators. Talk a bit about how how you came to win National Superintendent of the Year. You had some great finalists, some great competition. What's that like, and, and what's the influence you can have in that role nationally this coming year? I think the uh, reason that we were able to win is our community was ready for change. I already indicated that we had uh, some difficulties when I arrived. Uh, one of those superintendents is uh, currently serving a federal prison of eight, jail, uh, eight months in federal prison. Uh, for some issues that went on. The community wanted to do better. In fact, the very first meeting I had with the community, uh, they said, we think we can help. And I'll be honest, I was concerned. You can help how? Uh, a lot of people want us to take on a business model. Uh, but their statement was, we went and saw a program called The Leader in Me. And with The Leader in Me, we think students can develop better character. Are you interested in allowing us to help implement The Leader in Me in your schools? And I'll be honest, I've been a Covey uh, fan since I was a high school principal. And so when they asked me that, I said, yeah, I think we can begin with the end in mind. I think we can learn to put first things first. And I think my students will greatly benefit from that. So if you can help us implement that, I'm all for it. To be quite truthful, they, we started off with two schools that year. The next year, we doubled it to four. After that, we went to eight. And now my community has raised over $2.5 million to implement Leader in Me in all 36 of our schools. Um, and it didn't stop with that. Because we were so excited about the Leader in Me, the United Way of George, Middle Georgia came and said, we want you to talk about us like you talk about Leader in Me. So we want to put tutors in your schools to help students learn to read. And so now we have more than 500 tutors that come into our school every week. All this community support has been a reason why I think I was named National Superintendent of the Year. We were ready at that point after two years to have the community help us, and they were willing to do that. So those are just some of the nuggets that I think moved us in this direction. Dr. Jones, part of what has gotten you to where you are clearly is your humility. I know our viewers caught it, our audio listeners caught it, but you mentioned the word we several times, how we won. And I'm guessing you're recognizing when you say that the team of people that make Bibb County so um, phenomenal. Well, that is true. I mean, it's not about me. In fact, when I went to Los Angeles to uh, be a, one of the four finalists, uh, my central office team said, we're going to. They were so excited when I was named the Georgia Superintendent of the Year that they said, if you become a finalist for national, we're going to Los Angeles. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I said, wait a minute, all you guys can't go? the community will eat us alive. They're going to say it's a waste of taxpayer money. And they said, you don't know what we've been through. But for the last seven years, it's been difficult. And so we're going to go celebrate. And I'll be honest, I had three board members, two board member wives, three of my assistant superintendents, as well as my assistant secretary and board clerk. They all went with us to Los Angeles, and it didn't stop with that. We had a live feed on Facebook Live to share with our community the announcement for National Superintendent of the Year. Didn't know we were going to win. We were just celebrating it. Oh. And so uh, you, I, 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 you're on it. I, you're right. Leadership is not about the person who 
has the title of superintendent or CEO. It's about the work they do to support folks. And I feel very fortunate that our individuals feel like they are part of the team and that this celebration is for them as well. Oh my gosh, let's open up the Dr. Jones School for Future Superintendents, right? Every educator watching this is hoping that their superintendent has many of the same values as you do, which I'm sure many do. Dr. Jones, let's talk about some of your initiatives in Bibb County. One of the things I think your team is the most proud of is your focus on graduation rates. I believe that your team has moved graduation rates from, I think it was 51% up to 79%. It's amazing. And I believe you have a stated goal of moving graduation rates up to 90% in the next decade or so, half decade. Talk about the focus on graduation rates. What have you learned about how to do that that other educators and administrators could adopt also in their districts? I appreciate that. We did improve our graduation rate from the mid-50s to 78. Our goal is to get to 90% by the year 2025. I had a board member say to me, you won't be here in 2025. And I said, well, halfway, because this was back in 2015 when we made the statement, we're going to get to 80% by the year 2020, and we're on track for that. For us, that was a, you know, a, a term you'll recognize, but that was a big, bold, hairy, audacious goal uh, that we set because no one believed if we're in the 50s, we could get to 80 and certainly not to 90. But the community bought into it. And what I think has helped us make that happen is not the programs that we bought, but the fact that high school teachers decided to invest in students and create better relationships with them. Students were then told, here's where you are, Here's what you need to do. Do you want to graduate? We will give you a second chance. We may even give you a third chance, but it's up to you to be motivated to make that happen. And so what we were able to put in place is this idea of three values. We call it our value proposition, but we believe that when students graduate from our system, they need to display better leadership, scholarship, and citizenship. And it doesn't come in that order. They have to display leadership first, citizenship to show they care for someone else and the scholarship will come along with that and they will be able to graduate. And so we have been investing in that for the last three and a half years. Uh, we believe if we can create better experiences for students and show them what they can do to change their mindset, to become a growth mindset, that they will have different beliefs that will get them to take different actions and then they will be able to graduate, pass more classes. We've also increased our dual enrollment for our students. Uh, we have a great relationship with the Technical College here, Central Georgia Technical College, and we have more students who are applying to go to that. So our dual enrollment, for example, has gone from like 38 students my first year to where we're now over 400. Dr. Jones, we have a large audience that's watching and listening today, literally millions of people around the globe, and we're honored to have them tuning in. I'd like you to take a few minutes and talk about what are the challenges that administrators face that you would like for CEOs, parents, uncles, neighbors, taxpayers, just regular working people like me who aren't in schools every day, although I have sons, I'm not, you know, during their day, you know, watching what's going on. What are some of the challenges? And then I'll ask you about the successes. What do you want parents and taxpayers to know are the challenges that teachers and administrators are facing day in and day out that might help them be a little more involved or patient or encouraging, supportive of your efforts? First, uh, teachers want the very best for their students. And what we say is that your child is our student and we're in this together. Uh, 
a lot of times parents will come and say, I don't know what my child did, but I have to defend my child. The truth is if the child did wrong, the child did wrong. And we need to be, we need to come together to help solve that. And so the first one I would say is just recognize that we want what's best. It does us no good if the child drops out. It does us no good if they don't learn. It does us no good if they don't come to school. I'm not asking parents to do miracle work. I'm asking that the child comes to school rested, comes to school ready to learn, and comes to school as best prepared to learn. And that when we have communication, it's true communication where you're able to listen and we can share and also learn from you about your child. That's one. Two, the world is very dangerous. We have too many students that are coming to school and they're fearful of, at least in our community, the walk to school or being able to make sure they can be safe. Um, weapons are just an issue that are out there. I have too many students that will find a magazine or bullets or something along that nature and bring it to school. And that's fearful for people. Uh, and so I need for parents to make sure if you have guns, keep them safe, locked up, and don't let your children get a hold of them. I don't believe students should bring things like that to school for show and tell. It creates a dangerous environment and it makes teachers fearful of what's going to happen. The third thing I would say is that we have a lot of new teachers who are working and we're doing all we can to help teachers increase their competency. And what I ask parents to do is recognize that our professional teachers are doing the very best that they can. Uh, many of them have master's degrees. Many of them have specialist degrees. They are professionals. And the fact that everybody has gone to school does not mean they know how to teach school. And so give us the opportunity to uh, continue to work that effort. Um, I think those are the things that I have to do. The shortage of teachers is great. We do not have enough teachers who are coming into the profession and we don't have enough teachers who are willing to stay just because of all the accountability that's in place. In a perfect world, a student should know that they're learning and that they're growing and improving. Not every child is gonna make all A's, but students ought to grow and improve. And I think we have to be realistic in the goals that we set for our students. And we have to recognize they're not all gonna learn at the same rate. Individual students become motivated at different points in time. Dr. Jones, I asked you to share the challenges and you did that beautifully. As a, as a parent, that was helpful for me in many ways, but just the rest and the safety and the prepared to learn and the, the, the safety issue. Talk about the things that you're most proud of perhaps even beyond your own county in Georgia, but just nationally, evangelize what's going great in public schools so that everybody can get a better appreciation for the great success that is happening. You know, uh, that's a great one, and I appreciate that. A lot of times people will tell you that schools look the same as they did in the 40s and the 50s, that we were set for this factory model where we put a lot of students through the same process taught them the same things, one size fit all, and then they came out and graduated. And that the graduation rates didn't matter because there was always a factory they could go to. Well, I'm gonna be honest, in education today across the state, the nation, the classrooms are different. They are. And, and I'm tired of people showing a picture of a, a chalkboard with desks in a row. Kids today learn to collaborate where they work in teams and groups and they can articulate what's happening. They are thinking deeply about the problems that we present, real world problems that they are able to uh, analyze, provide judgment, analysis for, and then come up with solutions. And so we're in the 21st century 
And classrooms today reflect that. If you come to our classrooms, and I'm sure it's true in other classrooms across the nation, you're going to find that we have interactive boards inside the classrooms. Students are bringing technology, so they're able to research and find information from far away. And we also have situations where students are able to demonstrate their learning in ways that we didn't even anticipate before. It's more than just memorizing formulas and numbers and being able to give back what you've been told. We are greatly uh, improved from where we were. And I think that is a untold story. People like to compare our nation to other nations and say, we've fallen behind. But if you look at apples and compare apples to apples, our top students are doing as well as top students in other nations and some, in many cases better. We educate everyone. Not everybody does that. This is a place in public education where you can come and any student can become what they want to be. And so that is still a great American institution, a great American story. And I think we ought to celebrate that even more. I'm very excited about where we're going. And the last part I say with this is I'm also super excited about the one-to-one -one, uh, implementation of technology that's happening across uh, the nation because what we're seeing is education has now become personalized so students are able to learn what they want to learn when they want to learn it. We have students who are learning online, we have students who are learning inside the building, and we have some that are doing blended learning as well. We didn't do that in the 40s and the 50s and so my belief is education is a lot better than people say. I don't like hearing people say a child's education should be um, should not be determined by their zip code. The truth of the matter is the zip code determines a lot and teachers are in there dealing with that every day to provide their very best expertise and efforts with all the resources that are provided. And so things are better today than they were 20, 30 years ago and teachers are much more prepared to deal with all the issues that our students are bringing to school. Dr. Jones, when you win your race for the U.S. Senate, can I join your staff? I'll either be in the Macon County office or the Washington, D.C. office, either one. Well, <laughs> I'm very passionate about public education. I said earlier I was in the military for 20 years. After serving at the federal level, I wanted to do something in, at the local level, and education has allowed me to do that. I've been blessed and very fortunate. Well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's palpable. You can see your passion for it. I'm guessing as superintendent, you spend a lot of your time out in the business community, raising money, raising awareness, and helping you know, build a community around the schools. What do you find are the skills that most employers are looking for that maybe don't yet exist from high school students who are graduating and going into the workforce, or perhaps even for college admissions where students are graduating going into college? What are some of the gaps, and how are you and your team working to fill those? What I found when I talk with businesses is they want students who are able to demonstrate collaboration, teamwork, analysis, and judgment. And it's those soft skills that will allow students to do better. Uh, what I've also learned, and again, it's not, well, I'm, I'm proud of it. What I've also learned is they're looking for leadership from students. They want to know that a student can not only control their own emotions and, um, and take ownership of their actions, but they're willing to be a part of a team that does better. Um, I mentioned earlier our value proposition of leadership, scholarship, and citizenship. Businesses are looking for students that demonstrate all three of those. They want to know that whoever's coming has leadership, has scholarship, and can learn, and knows that they, are part, they can be a part of something bigger. 
and I'm, I have to just say it again, and the Leader in Me program that we've implemented in all of our elementary schools, now we're putting in middle schools, and next year we'll be in all of our schools, is providing that because you start off with that private victory that students have to put in, learn, and then they're able to move from that to the public victory where they're part of a team. And at the end, they have to be willing to take care of themselves. I just can't tell you enough that if we're going to be successful in public education, this idea of students learning to manage themselves has to happen. We say you have a requirement to put in place a character education program. For us, that core foundation that we call Tier 1 is a program like the Leader in Me. And so uh, I'm very thankful that we have that and that our students are demonstrating it. And again, our community wanted our students to learn those leadership skills. Since you raised it, I'll ask you a follow-up question. You mentioned several times now Franklin Covey's Leader in Me initiative, yeah. which is our leadership development you know, school program for literally thousands of schools around the world. What advice would you give to parents, administrators, educators, superintendents that might not yet know about Leader in Me, who are looking for a similar success, they can taste it like you're getting, how would you say they should proceed with their community to build an initiative to start around Leader in Me? I think you have to start with the question of why. why what is the why? For us, we had an issue here in Bibb of, of uh, low achievement and we had issues of, uh, of violence. And so when our community uh, came together, their statement was, what is it we want? And what they wanted was to be able to cr create a change. And what Leader in Me does, and what I would say leaders ought to look at is, what you do in school is going to affect what happens outside of school as well. A lot of times we talk about what students experience at home and the community they bring to school. The Leader in Me for us has been something that we had at school that they can take home. We're finding that students are taking the language of the seven habits to their parents and to their churches and to their organizations and teams. And that is creating a change that I was not anticipating. It's created a way where parents are now saying to me, oh man, my child told me they had to go home and put first things first and do homework instead of going to play this game right now or willing to go over outside. That is a change and it becomes a uh, process that I think can just reinforce itself. And so my suggestion is start with your why. What is it you want to do that's going to make your community better? Don't chase test scores. Don't try to become the highest performing school district based on that. Figure out a way to help students grow and improve, find a program and then fully invest. And for us, it was a com combination of the community and the district coming together behind that one effort that's been able to move us forward. Uh, thanks for the recap on that. I can't help but ask you about the pin on your lapel, VIP. Will you talk a bit about that? More than happy to do that. Very excited. So we have a strategic plan, as a lot of businesses do. Um, the plan for us is called Victory in Our Schools. It was a, a book that I read back in the 90s. I superintended out in Seattle, um, Washington, was uh, implementing it, and that became the, the book he wrote. My uncle told me about it, and so I was inspired at the time I was a principal. And so when I came here, we named our strategic plan Victory in Our Schools. One day, I had a, um, a, a person say, we come together every month with our leadership team, and, and this is our administrative meeting. What is this meeting for? What's the purpose? And my answer was, 
This is part of our victory in progress. We're not where we want to be, but if we're going to become victory in our schools with our strategic plan, then it's a work in progress. It happens every day. So we're going to be VIPs. And what happened was one of my uh, principals took that idea and put it on a pen. And I, because of my military experience, was going to take the pen and give it to individuals that did a great job, like generals did in the Army. Here's my coin. But I was going to pen people. Well, I got the pen, I wore it for a couple of days, and then uh, my assistant superintendent said, what do we have to do to get one? And I told him, I said, you're already supporting our mission vision, our strategic plan, here's your pen. My secretary then looked at me and said, well, what do I have to do? And I said, well, I was only going to give out a few. She says, but I work hard every day, just like everybody else. And I said, you're right, here's your pen. I then had a substitute teacher who saw it and said, I've been substituting in schools now for 15 years. Uh, what do I have to do? I had a parent that says, I volunteer in schools. And it just became this uh, movement where the community was so happy and proud of the work that we were doing is that people wanted a pen. So what we did was we said, you can earn a pen after you have been supportive of the school district for one year. The first year you're learning us and we're learning you. But after that year, if you come back, it means you're now buying in with us. You're going to join us, not change us and you've earned your VIP pen. And uh, short, quick story, I was at a school one day and a student looked at me and said, uh, are you a VIP? And I said, well, I guess I am. And he turned to his friend and said, he's a VIP. And look at that, my teacher is a VIP too. She has on a pen. It just created this sense of pride throughout the district and the community. And I'm pretty confident that if you walk around our community, people can tell you what VIP is. They recognize our employees and it's a sign of, uh, of, of loyalty to our district and to public education. Uh, so it's very exciting for us to see this take off as it has. Our, our time is almost coming to a close, but I want to ask you just two more questions. I'm guessing being the National Superintendent of the Year, beyond just the, the honor that gives you, also provides you a bit of a bully pulpit for evangelizing, talking about issues you're passionate about. How should we expect to see you talking about things you're you know, so focused on in the next you know, nine months or so. What, what should we see from you in that, in that role? Well, because of my military experience and because of the roles and the jobs I've had, it should be no surprise. I believe leadership matters. I believe that leadership is the key. I believe that if public education is doing the right thing, productive uh, citizens in the future will be leaders. And so you're gonna hear from me we need to build leaders. We need to build for the future. We need to invest in our children. Um, that's going to take resources. And it's going to take a, a change in mindset to get away from test scores to finding out what it is that makes a parent very happy with the school that they have for the education their child's receiving. So you're going to hear me talk about developing leadership in our children. You're also going to hear me saying it's time we keep students safe. There's too much violence that's going on across our nation. Too many school shootings are occurring. Uh, you know, pretty soon we're going to end up saying that uh, every school has to have everybody inside carrying weapons. Churches are going to have to have everyone inside with weapons. I just don't want that to be the place or society that I live in. Um, I think our country's better than that. So my belief is we need to provide a safe learning environment for our students and for our citizens. And our best future is ahead of us when we have leaders that can lead that effort and take on challenges. We're very fond of saying that uh, we're educating kids for jobs that don't exist yet. We have to create leaders to lead us through that. 
Dr. Jones, today's kind of a cool day because one of my colleagues, Boyd Roberts, who is the vice president of our partnerships, brought his son to work to shadow amongst all the professionals here at Franklin Covey. His name is Sam Roberts, and I want to bring Sam on the set real quick. Sam, walk over that cord. Sam is a student here in eighth grade in the Salt Lake County School. Sam, come on set right here with me. I want you to use Sam as an example. Say hi to Dr. Jones. Hi, Jones. <laughs> hi, Sam. How are you? So Sam's here in eighth grade. I would like for you to give some advice to all the Sams across the nation. What are some things that you've learned in your career, your military career, your service, your community, your church, and now as the superintendent of the year, arguably the top public educator in the nation? What advice would you give to the tens of millions of Sams that are in middle school, they're moving up into high school, starting their careers? Give them some words of wisdom that will help him along the way. Thank you very much. Sam, I'm going to share a couple, few things with you. One, please continue to listen to your mom and your dad. They are the best teachers that you will ever have, and they will always be your friend. A second group that I want you to listen to, though, are your teachers and counselors at school. Ask them for advice. Between those two groups, you're going to be able to find a way for where you can develop what you want to be. I know right now you're still trying to sort that out, and you want to demonstrate independence, but be willing to listen and ask questions. So be transparent in that. The other thing, Sam, I'd recommend is every day take a diary and write down what you've experienced and what you've learned because it is that growth that you will see where you will be able to improve and grow and not only in academics but also in life as a whole. You'll be able to create better relationships and create better friendships with people and that will allow you to set goals as you move forward. Middle school is a hard time and mm -hmm. so uh, but, and you're about to go from being eighth grade where you're a big man on campus to high school where you're going to be the lowest man on the totem pole and you're going to feel lost. I know that. But my belief is if you be true to yourself and if you trust parents and your teachers, you're going to be okay. And then lastly, continue to take the SAT and the ACT and look forward because the more you prepare for that, the better college you will get into and that will give you a great opportunity. Um, and lastly, please read. Read anything you want. When I was your age, I was reading comic books. Superman was my hero. I hope you're reading and having fun with it. And school will give you stuff to read to learn, but read and enjoy yourself. Right. You will be great. That was priceless. You're a hero, dude. Nicely done. Yes, Go sit down. <laughs> Sam, thank you for joining us. Dr. Jones, let's, let's end with what's your legacy going to be? You are a, a, a service member to our armed forces, you're a father and you're a, wife, or a husband and a child of your parents, superintendent of the year. What's your legacy going to be across your life? I hope my legacy is that I have learned to invest in others, recognize that uh, it's not about what I've done, but it's about being humble and recognizing I've got here because of the people that came before me. And I hope that the people I'm working with will remember the effort that I put in trying to help them develop. I hope that three of my assistant superintendents will become superintendents. I'm very hopeful that my children will continue to uh, grow and develop and have wonderful lives. And my hope is that my legacy will be that my church members will recognize that uh, I'm just still Curtis who's trying to do the very best he can to make the world a better place. Uh, I know that sounds cliche-ish, but yeah. truthfully, every person does with every interaction we make. And I hope that's how people remember me. Dr. Curtis Jones, you are a class act. You are an inspiration. Thank you for your service to our families and our, our students and our nation. Congratulations on being announced as the 
National Superintendent of the Year. We, I'm sure we'll see more of you in the future. Thank you for, for your support of Franklin Covey and our Leader Me program, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank Appreciate you, sir. It. Thank you to Sam Roberts for being a co-host the last few minutes. Thanks for joining us on On Leadership, and we'll see you back next week with a new guest on Leadership.